This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by Alternative Media. Are you working on a massive project and need some help? A&M offers a wide range of professional services from e-learning and training development, comics, graphic novels, 3D model creation, and virtual reality experiences. Follow Alternative Media on Twitter at A-N-M underscore tweets to stay updated or visit alter-native-media.com today to set up a free consultation. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Rachel Arpin about escape rooms in learning. Hi, Rachel. Hello. (laughs) Hey, thanks for being on the podcast today. Could you help our listeners get to know you a little bit better? Can you give us a quick intro about you and maybe even how we met? Sure. I'll actually start with how we met. Um, So I attended your augmented reality session at Learnapalooza last year, and I showed up a little bit early And even though you were getting ready to present, you still took a few seconds to chat with me. And I totally fangirled about that because I love your podcast. (laughs) It was like a celebrity moment, right? So I really appreciated that. I love all all the things that you've been talking about with AR and VR. So that was great. And then, you know, being connected on LinkedIn, um, I saw that you had started a new position and my dissertation topic is, you know, aligned with the company that you work for. And so I had to overcome this like little imposter monster on my shoulder saying, don't reach out to her. And I was like, forget it. I'm going to see if she wants to chat and nerd out about this. So I think so that was our first real conversation is when we got to talk about our similar stuff with with my dissertation in your work. I've been in learning and development for about 12 and a half years, and I've gotten to do a lot of fun stuff with it. Facilitation, design, development. Um, I was a training manager, so I've seen the operations side and then developing trainers in their craft. I also did some time in infrastructure, so creating processes for the operations of a training organization. Even got my Six Sigma green belt doing that. So it was it was a worthwhile effort, even though sometimes processes can be the not fun part. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the defining aspect of me is my education work, though. I'm a total nerd. And so I got my bachelor's in music, which kind of reflects that creative, emotive side of me. Um, and then once I found out that learning and development was where I wanted to go, I went back and I got my master's for instructional design and performance technology. And I fell in love with human performance improvement. And it really was a propellant for my career. And how do you effectively look at behavior change um, kind of helped build my professional mission of I want to build those experiences that help people see the world from new perspectives. And then that brings me to current state where I'm still in school. I can't get away from it. Um, Going for my doctor of education in organizational leadership. And that's kind of the antecedent for our conversation of, you know, I'm studying the use of uh, escape room games as a way to deliver leadership training. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that. Today, we are definitely chatting about escape rooms and learning. But I have to I have to start the conversation by saying I've only ever done two escape rooms in my life and they were both within months of each other and they have revealed more about my character than I really think was <laughs> necessary, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, but Rachel, like you have a thing for escape rooms though. So tell us about you and your relationship, which I'm going to call it that 
with escape rooms in general? Relationship. It's probably the best relationship I have. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um, (laughs) Well, you're so right. Um, You do learn a lot about yourself playing an escape room in that high pressure situation. Um, Well, to kind of talk about that, there are three things that maybe I can touch on me personally in relation to escape rooms. It might be helpful if I give a little background on what escape rooms are, just in case there's anybody out there that's not sure. Um, And then I can kind of briefly touch on how people are using them and learning that kind of set up my study. So for me, I would call myself an enthusiast. Um, Others may say obsessed. That's for them. They're probably right. I've played 35 in-person rooms, but my spreadsheet isn't up to date. So there may be a couple more. Um, but I'm that's sorry, incom- wait, hold, hold, hold on. You have a spreadsheet? Absolutely. You got to track yeah. those things in every win and location. Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm just processing that. Told you I'm a total nerd. I like it. Okay. Go ahead. So you got your spreadsheet. Good. Yeah, but like in comparison to like hardcore escape rumors, like I have some friends that have done over a thousand games or most most enthusiasts are in the over a hundred realms. So I was supposed to hit 50 last year, but COVID mm-hmm. and it can be a little bit of a costly hobby too. So that is always It is definitely one of the more expensive. Well, maybe not one of the more expensive, but it, is, it can be an expensive hobby depending yeah. on where you go. Because I the two that I went to, were company paid for, which is good because I would never have paid for it. Not even with a coupon because, and and we'll get to my story later, but yeah, like, yeah, it can be expensive. Agreed. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. I'm just very excited about what you're talking about. Oh no, I'm glad that you're excited. It makes me happy. Um, But yeah, so I've played in-person games, online games. There are skip games and boxes and card games. So I've played them all. And I even, when I think about, Um, being involved on the design side of. Um, I helped design some of the puzzles in a room here in Columbus, Ohio. It was a a Christmas-themed room. That was fun, but it runs all year round because who doesn't love that? I've created a couple small-scale games for my daughter. One of them was a Harry Potter-themed where after she solved all the puzzles, the big prizes, we were going to go to Universal Studios. So that was was a fun game. I've done voiceovers for some like subscription games. And then, of course, developed my online leadership escape game. So yeah, that's kind of me and my relationship <laughs> with escape games. <laughs> I think it's awesome, especially. I mean, I've never had a relationship with anything that I kept a spreadsheet for. I'm still stuck <laughs> on that. Um, I don't, and I'm really actually trying to think. I'm like, is there something? I take that back. I kept a spreadsheet when I used to run for a while. Mm-hmm. Actually, for a long time, I kept one. And then I found an app that would do it for me. So I didn't have to do oh, yeah. the spreadsheet anymore. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just, I'm just relating to what you're saying. Well, so I think one thing that might be helpful is I give a little bit of ground level on what an escape room is. Because um, even as I've talked to people about escape rooms, sometimes they think of panic rooms. They're not mm. thinking of the game. They're thinking of the place to hide. And that's not at all what I'm referring to. <laughs> so, right. And I'm going to provide a very generalized explanation because there's so many applications and different mediums for it. So I'm going to give a pretty general description. So in a typical escape room game, you have a group of players and they enter a themed experience. Maybe it's a, a Wild West saloon or a casino. My daughter and I played one where we started off in a school classroom and we ended up in the playground. My favorite one, we started off in a cabin 
it moved into this what felt like you were outside in a camping experience, and then it ended in a ranger station. It was a very cool game. Oh, that's cool. I don't want to do it, though. I just want to make that clear. Like, <laughs> I mean, you might change my mind, but I just I don't want people to think that, oh, Betty thinks that's cool. She'll come to escape rooms with me. <laughs> probably not. Oh, Betty, we would have fun. If we, if we did one, we would have fun. <laughs> okay, that's probably true. The entire room generally usually is based around a story or a narrative. You're presented with a challenge, an overarching challenge, and then you solve you know, different challenges or puzzles to get to that end. So like for my daughter and I with the playground, we had to finish all the different subjects to complete the report card. Um, for the outdoor one, we had to find Bigfoot and then get to the ranger station. So that was like the the purpose of the game. So then once you get to the end of that, um, you know, you're sometimes it's combo lock, sometimes it's physical puzzles, um, sometimes it's de- dexterity where you got to like move into a certain position and then things react to that. It's it's fun. And for people that like follow mainstream stuff, uh, like Schitt's Creek and Big Bang Theory are both amazing shows. They each have escape room game episodes. And it shows people who love them and people who hate them in it. It's it they're great. Yeah. Those are two shows that um are I'm currently watching again. Um yes. here at the house we we filter through friends uh, Big Bang Theory, and I am introducing Schitt's Creek into that. Uh, and the whole family just watches it when we can't decide what we want to watch. So anyways, I just love that you picked those two. Yeah, well, Friends happened before Escape Games really existed in the world. I would love to see an episode of the Friends characters in an Escape Room game. That oh would be amazing. Gosh. That would be amazing. Well, there's, they're talking about a reunion, so, or a reboot right. or something. So, you know. We need to talk to some people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, But then in terms of learning, so escape room games, they have been used in classrooms for years now. Breakout EDU is a company that jumped on the escape room bandwagon pretty early with their boxes. So you actually break into the box combos, you know, blacklight, hidden, invisible ink kind of um, things. And there's a really cool community around Breakout EDU and all these teachers that are creating different games. Um, so elementaries, high school, libraries, they often use those because when you have history or math using dates for combo locks and answers to math problems, it makes it easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Colleges have even been using them for like orientation to student services or library services. And the one thing I found really interesting, like in my research, is that nursing education uses escape room games a lot. And so they use an escape game so the nurses have to solve puzzles to find the medical record of the patient to find the diagnosis and then use the puzzles to figure out the treatment and it's not new delivery but it's reinforcement mm-hmm. of what they already know and kind of practice so it's kind of a fun way to do that that's really cool i love your enthusiasm and your deep desire to like solve puzzles while locked in a room like that's i mean she said tentatively like um, <laughs> I think it's great. Maybe, maybe my experiences just haven't been nearly fun enough to get me sort of on the same path that you are. All right. So you're, you're, how do I say this? So your, your moderately healthy love has bloomed <laughs> into <laughs> something more than a hobby or a pastime. Tell us how this love of escape rooms has really influenced 
your career path? Because I know that those connect. So help us make that connection. Sure. So I'll even zoom out from specifically escape room games for a moment. I'm a fan of games, just in general. Mm -hmm. Board games, card games, video games. Um, Actually, I heard on one of your recent episodes, you were talking about Beat Saber on VR. Mm -hmm. I'm addicted to it. I absolutely love that game. Um, I think you should let the kid play it sometimes, Rachel. Never, never. It's actually, we. she and I compete. <laughs> oh, how fun. That would be great. Yeah, Beat Saber is a, is a riot. Yes, I use it for my workouts sometimes. So I've always had this and just love for games. And then being from a learning and development standpoint, the, the value that games can play. You actually had a guest, his name was Blake, um, but he was talking about like VR and video games. And... I'm going to totally paraphrase. Hopefully I don't butcher this, but he had this like recognition with games. You know, you, you give them space to play and fail Mm -hmm. and then you learn and then you rinse and repeat, play, fail, learn. And you keep following that cycle until you get play success. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, and I just love that cycle. Um, So anyway, so that kind of builds that foundation. That's the underlying foundation for me. And then, Escape rooms come into the picture around 2015. I think one of the first games in Columbus, Ohio was in 2015. Mm-hmm. And then it's the first one I played. Um, and I remember being in this game, talking back to you learn stuff about yourself <laughs> when you're in one of these games. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to do a math puzzle because it was early on before puzzles got too creative. I was doing a math puzzle and there was an actor in the room with us. And she just came up to me and she was like, bad math bad math. <laughs> and I learned oh. I cannot do math under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> my gosh, it was so funny. But I, I've learned a lot about my communication styles and, and what is it like when the time and the pressure are on. But I left that game energized. I can still picture sitting in the car on the way home, thinking about how I was going to incorporate this into my work. And this was long before I was thinking about school And some of the things that I was thinking about is like with escape rooms. So you have a group, so they're collaborating. There's this teamwork aspect to it. Sometimes that's good or bad, depending on who you're with. But then there's this like skill. There's these skill sets that you need that are very similar to learning, like observation. And you're looking in this room and you have piles of books and decorations and you have to discern what information is helpful and what's just decoration. What's Mm -hmm. just there. And then from that, you have to do some problem solving and critical thinking. And okay, now that I have this, how do I actually solve this problem? And then there's a communication because in a game, like things are going to be across the room from each other. So people need to communicate with each other. I've got this. Oh, I've got this. Oh, they go together. Now we can solve that puzzle. I, I know sometimes you don't quite feel this, but there's just fun. You know, if you get the right group and the, the right theme and the right game, it's fun. So I think that's a great recipe for our learning experience, all of those pieces. I do agree with that it is a great recipe. Let me tell you about my experiences and maybe you can shed some light as to why I'm not as excited as you are about escape <laughs> The almost doctor is in, I'm listening. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> so the, the first one I went to, I went with my intact team from work, um, my, my boss, my, uh, my two coworkers and me, and the game was basically called Towering Inferno. So we went into one room and we were in like the electrical, half the room was like an office and the other half was like the electrical, um, I don't know, controls for the building. And so the story was that we had to like get from this room to the next room, which was actually like being on the, uh, 
on the roof and we had to do a whole bunch of things to eventually signal somebody to save us because we were like on the top floor of this building that was, you know, getting ready to burn down. Which, by the way, again, I'm not I don't really know why we think that's entertaining to put ourselves in a room with people we have to work with all the time and be like, let's pretend the building's burning down. Anyways, so beyond that, I sit down at the computer and there was like this you had to figure out this pattern on the computer. <laughs> and what, what happened was what happened at work. I sat down and I started to focus really hard on this. There was a piece of paper I was supposed to read. I didn't read it. <laughs> I scanned it. I only read like a couple of the words. And so I'm getting really irritated because I can't make this puzzle thing work. And I'm like yelling at the guys that are like in charge of it. This thing is broken. And they're just, I'm sure they were just shaking their head at me. And then my other coworkers over here, he's making things happen. And I'm like, whatever. And then my other coworkers <laughs> looking around. She's like looking in pockets and finding this. My boss is like, what do you need? How about you? What can I do? Can I help? So it's like we went into our typical role when we're in the team of mm -hmm. I'm sitting here trying to get it done and focusing hard. And two people are coming up to me saying, can I help you? And I'm like, no, I got it. Because I was like, Ugh. <laughs> so anyways, we finally get out of that room and we get into the next room. and like the time is ticking down and that's the part that I was like, <sighs> right. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's nothing I can do to make these other three people fix this. We have to do it together. Now we ended up solving the puzzle with less than a minute left. And that was really fun. And so I can totally yeah. relate to the feeling that you had when you left, where you were like energized by it. And um, it was really fun that we worked together. It was kind of fun when we yelled at each other, not in a mean <laughs> way, but like, no, you go get that key. No, it's not this. Try this code. But part of that was the people I was with. Right. So like, mm -hmm. so my buddy Vince was there and he, I would play any game with him anywhere because he had, he, like, as soon as you start playing a game, his, um, healthy, uh, competition kicks in and he just gets you excited to win. We're going to win. We're going to do this. Right. My, cool. my boss at the time, she was just very, um, just nurturing in a way to, you know, but also like standoffish, like, I know you can do this, blah, blah, blah. And then my other coworker was the one that finally came in and said, and said, Betty, you're doing it wrong. And she holds up this piece of paper that I didn't read. And she's like, see, look, you've got to do it like this. And I was like, okay, 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 go, go away, go find something else. <laughs> so, so hopefully that paints the picture for you. But, but like, so that one was great. And I thought, I, you know, you should always go out ahead. Like, I should have just stuck with that one. But we went on another one after my team had changed again. And we went on another escape room. And it, the team was great. The people were great. It was the theme that was different mm -hmm. that um, frustrated me. So this one was a saloon. But, like, it wasn't really a saloon. It was like a, it was like a time travel one. Okay, so listen, Rachel, I do not like time travel. <laughs> Anytime that's part of the storyline, I roll my eyes, unless it's Back to the Future, which is blatantly pretty much making fun of time travel. Um, <laughs> I can't handle it because I get mad because I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That's not how this works. <laughs> like, we talked about Big Bang. Did you ever see the episode when they're trying to figure out, like, what, like, how Back to the Future is so flawed? in their right. thinking with time? <laughs> like, that's me sitting there in the theater just mad, right? So... So that, that part right there kind of bothered me. So it was the theme that was a struggle, not the people I was with, not, you know, it was just the theme. Cause then like after the saloon, we ended up in like some, uh, some like electrical, I don't know why everything's electrical, but like electrical booth that we had to get out of. And we did not escape in time. That also mm -hmm. made 
me a little sour about the whole thing. Sure. Um, but so, so what doctor, doctor of the escape rooms, <laughs> Almost. What, what, what are your, what are your thoughts about my experiences? What do you think about that? I love how you recognize people falling into their kind of natural roles. You were seeing people kind of doing what they do at work, but you, you were seeing it in a very accelerated short amount of time. So it was compressed and more observable. And and so that sounds like a pretty functional team. You all had things that worked together to do what you do to accomplish what you have to get done, even if it meant correction, even if it meant, Betty, you're not doing this right. But then you got on track, right? Yeah, there was pointing and yelling. It's fine. <laughs> I could handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think even with the second experience, you think about it, context and environment play such an important role in that. Like, even if you have willing participants, if you have a bad game or a bad environment, that's going to have a negative impact for sure. I've, I've played plenty of games that were just awful. For me, it was still a win, right? Or sometimes an L and I didn't like getting those. <laughs> an L. Um, she doesn't even, she won't even say the word. Nope. Just the letter L. <laughs> <laughs> it was an opportunity to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love your, com- your, your competitiveness with your own self. That's amazing. Something that you mentioned that kind of came up for me, and this is something to always consider about escape rooms, is what kinds of pressures are you creating? Because mm-hmm. um, there are studies out there that show that creating certain pressures actually diminish learning. So that time crunch that you were feeling can shut down some people um, instead of accelerate them to try to push through. Um, sometimes competition itself Um, Like whether it's you're trying to compete for best time or you have a natural, like maybe it's not a healthy competition, but it's like, I'm going to compete against the people with me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it happens. That can diminish learning. And so even thinking about the way that you construct your game, like if, if your audience that's listening to this creates an escape game for learning, thinking through, okay, what are the mechanics that I'm putting in that are not going to overload you know, their brains so that they can actually learn the content and have fun doing it and not get caught up on this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is what happened because I went in ready to have some fun and I got very frustrated because this, because, well, first of all, because I was annoyed with the, with the time travel thing. As soon as we got in the room, I was like, oh man, and that's a personal problem. I understand that, but it (laughs) affected my engagement. And so then when we couldn't figure things out, uh, I was like, this is stupid. Like, I didn't say that, but like in my head, I'm just like, this is dumb. Like maybe if they hadn't written this as a time travel room, we wouldn't have this issue. So again, my own cattiness got, but that got in the way, it got in the way of me getting, moving forward in it. So uh, that makes a lot of sense that if you create pressures that don't produce productive forward movement, um, then it's, it's, it's not a good time. Yep. It's so true. I can, I can actually think of there's one game. It was a social game, not an educational game um, that I played. And I was so angry at it when I was done with it. And it was because it felt like things didn't fit together. Things weren't making sense. I I was actually also being petty about the quality of the room, like the production value of the room and how it was like post-it notes on a wall and not actual good quality. I can be a snob sometimes about it. It's okay. (laughs) You know what, though? You You just recognize good work and you expect it from others. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything like that. Tell us about escape rooms and your dissertation. 
talk about that. This is funny. So you may need to rein me in because the level of detail I provide, I'm never quite sure. I mean, I've written over a hundred pages on the topic. And so <laughs> my brain cramps sometimes to condense it down. Um, so my dissertation was taking a look at the use of escape room games to deliver leadership training specifically. And the reason for that is, you know, I shared some examples of applications of escape room games, like in elementaries and libraries and stuff. Um, but I was not seeing much in the realm of academic studies of escape room games for leadership training. So that that gave me a little intersection right there, a little niche. And then there were also gaps in evaluation. And I'll use Kirkpatrick's framework because that's what I use for my study. Um, there's a lot of level one. You know, did people have fun? What was their reaction? And generally, people like playing them. <clears throat> winning. I like winning them. You know what? That's fair, too. Yeah. Um, if it makes you feel better in my game, everyone wins. I don't know if that makes it better or not. But. That does. That, that helps. I'm more interested now. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then also in the literature, there wasn't as much like measuring learning acquisition, you know, from a level two did they know it beforehand? What did they get out of the thing? And then level three, very limited data on behavior change. Mm -hmm. For my study, I wasn't even going to try level four because all of my participants were from different organizations, different metrics. It, that would be way too difficult. So sure, if anyone sure. wants to do future research on this, reach out to me. <laughs> we'll do some level four research. There you go. But I found my gap. I minded the gap because um, in research, that's what you're trying to do is like, what what can you do to add to that literature? So I found that is this intersection of escape games, leadership and evaluation. I landed on the SL2 model um, from the Ken Blanchard company. So the situational leadership approach and then started developing my game. I'm curious, like, what what kind of level of detail do you want me to go into the game? Like, do you want me to give like a flow of what the participants experience or yeah so tell us a little bit about what what is it like if you could tell us you know in I don't know 150 words or less what's it like to experience uh situational leadership training through an escape room sure so in in my specific game uh participants followed a link and they were then in this online escape room that I built in articulate storyline and the narrative the story is the facilitator is running late she wants you to get started on this leadership training that you're supposed to be attending. And so the participants had to explore the conference room. There's like posters on the wall, there's a table, um, all this stuff in the room, they have to explore it to find the information, which happens to be the content of the model. And then they use that to solve challenges. In escape rooms, there's a like a puzzle flow. So there's challenge, action, reward. Those are the three parts of the puzzle flow, which really well lines up with learning when you think of like problem, answer, feedback. Mm -hmm. Same thing with uh, escape games. You have a challenge, action, reward, which often includes feedback. So um, the participants were, were solving problems. And my game was split up into three parts that were aligned to three objectives of the game. And then at the end of each part, there was a meta puzzle that pulled together everything they had learned so far, it kind of tied all three parts of the game together also. And that was a final application. Um, so, you know, they were doing puzzles like, I think I had mentioned like word jumbles and acrostic puzzles. There's actually even a jigsaw puzzle that when people saw it, they go, oh, I love puzzles. <laughs> so was this designed for people to take after they would take situational leadership? Is it like a, a reinforcement exercise? 
So I tried to isolate. My study was just curious as to what kind of impact an escape room game mm. would have on someone. So um, before... Gotcha. Before they played the game, I asked people, had they ever played an escape room game before and had they ever had SL2 training or situational leadership? Because some had, you know, other models of it. And then they took a pretest, then they played the game, and then they took another test. And um, so my data analysis is looking at, did we see that change, like in uh, learning? But yeah. then also I'm factoring in if they'd had pre previous Situational leadership training, does that matter? Um, and if they've had prior escape room, how did that impact? I haven't done the data analysis on the, the pre-test, post-test yet. Um, but when it came to, like, if they liked it or not, across the board, people liked it. And there really wasn't a huge difference between if they'd had prior experience with escape rooms or not. What made you choose the topic of situational leadership? Oh, this is this is going to show my nerd coming out here. So <laughs> a couple of years ago... I was helping to design a leadership development program. It was like this two-year cohort program. And situational leadership was one of the primary models the company was using. So all the participants would go in for the two-day workshop offered by Ken Blanchard Companies. And so I sat in it, and I wasn't even halfway through the first day, and I couldn't pay attention to the content because I was so excited about how the SL2 model could be applied to an escape room game. It was just popping off the page for me. Um, and for anyone listening who's not familiar with SL2, if you Google it, there's an image out there that you'd be able to take a look at. But basically, you know, there are three skills which broke into the three objectives really easily. Um, each skill had content that fit very well into puzzles like word jumbles, acrostics, that kind of stuff. The model itself has built-in coding. Like there's a codification of it built in where you have four colors, you have D1 through D4, you have S1 through S4 for development levels and leadership styles. It was just there. It existed. Yeah. So <laughs> and much then, of that so much of that thought work was kind of check. You could check all those boxes off. That's cool. Oh yeah. 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 And I think one of the things that's hard is, you know, in escape room games, you don't want people to get so caught up on the puzzle that they miss the content. Mm -hmm. um, so the fact that the content had the components that made it a puzzle also, it really supported the puzzle that helped pretty well. I mean, and I will say kind of the final bit of that is, you know, even though my approach is I'm super scared, but I'm still going to ask. Um, I reached out and asked for permission. And when the company said, we don't usually say yes to this kind of thing, but this is interesting. Mm -hmm. And they said, yes, I was sold. I was like, all right, full steam ahead. That was it. Using this. <laughs> That's awesome. They, they, they thought your idea was great too. So how much time did you spend researching and writing about this? Just in general. Although you might have a spreadsheet for that too. I don't know. I wish. That would have been really interesting to look back at. Um, I mean, I've been working on this program since 2017, so and I've had different things that I've written and pieced mailed together over the years for it. But I've spent a good solid year. I've been in my dissertation mode, and that's of full steam ahead, writing my chapters, developing mm -hmm. my game. I mean, and I'm, I'm also working full time, so I you know, development of my game probably took me a good two, two to three months of time working on it 
after hours and on weekends mm-hmm. when I couldn't mm-hmm. squeeze it in. <laughs> right. And it was a pretty big game. It was a it was a good sized game. So a solid year of your spare time, right? Sure. To to <laughs> research, right? To research and write your dissertation on escape rooms. So spending that much time it definitely demonstrates that you have true love and deep passion for the art. Either that or you are just obsessed. That's fair. I mean, maybe <laughs> both. And I and I admire both sides, so it's okay. It's funny, we talked about the word obsessed earlier. Um, obsessed is the word the lazy use to describe the dedicated. All right. And I you want to know where I got that from? The inside right. of a box of running shoes. And I remember... <laughs> When I opened the box and I read it and I was like, that's so true. And I said, you know what, too? That is like brilliant marketing because that just approved you for being obsessed with running. So you should buy more shoes. Yep. So anyways, <laughs> I just thought that I just think about that with the word obsessed. Thank you so much for telling us all about that. Um, I know that it was no uh, it wasn't difficult for you because I've talked to you about this before. And it's like <laughs> it just oozes out of you because you're so excited. And I love that. Uh, do you do you see the format of escape rooms for learning? As it, is it just like an e-learning thing, or what other modalities do you see this idea working in? Oh gosh, so many, so many applications. You know, when I think of escape room games, they're mostly known for their physical games, right? The social team building. Mm-hmm. You know, most people kind of when they say that, mm-hmm. they, yeah, most people when they say that they've experienced one, it's it's a physical game. Um, but those are social. You know, that doesn't have most of the time, there's not content that they're learning. It's just, hey, we did this fun thing to team build. I think there's a way to create those experiences. You know, when I think back to what I want to do professionally, I want to create those experiences, whether, you know, inter- whether it's an escape room game, interactive, immersive, whatever it is, having that physical space to experience something or be transported to a new world, and then being able to use that to learn something or to mm-hmm. see the world from a new lens. That sounds amazing. I can give an example of one that I find very intriguing. In New York, there was an art gallery. So it was an art installation. It wasn't meant to be a true escape room, but it was a puzzle game. And it was about privilege. And groups would be split up and they'd have to solve solve puzzles, solve challenges. They'd get to the end and one group was much farther advanced than the other. And it had nothing to do with skill of the people in the room. It had everything to do with what they were provided and presented in their experiences. And then they debriefed about that. And I I love that. You know, that thought of these people being able to have a, a tactile, immersive experience mm-hmm. and walking out with a lesson that they're probably going to carry forever. And I, I never even got to see it and I'm impacted by it. Yeah. So I, I love that thought. I think that's a physical games. They're They're more costly. You know, they're not quickly adaptable, but that's a possibility. Um, Online games like the e-learning, that's a great way to offer creative experiences. Um, You know, I think my game was supposed to be a physical game, but because of COVID, I had to make it online. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, my game, yeah, it started off in a conference room. But in the third part, a trap door opens up. You crawl through it and all of a sudden you're outside shooting arrows in a field, like, <laughs> and with a treasure chest popping up out of the ground. I couldn't have done that in real life. So, you know, on, well, if online you, you could have, but there'd been other waivers people would have had to sign. 
for going through uh, yeah, absolutely. And probably would have paid for a lot of damages <laughs> to the building I rented. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, and I think too, um, I, I keep referencing your old episodes. I hope that's okay, but uh, you awesome. had some really cool things on here. You had someone on, I don't remember their name and I really apologize for that. Um, but they were talking about D&D and learning. Oh, that was Matt Pierce. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a podcast called Escape This Podcast, and it's all audio escape games. Um, they create, a, it's completely role-playing games. And of course you found this podcast. Not only did I find this did. podcast, I led a game. I, I, oh, I was in fun. season seven. <laughs> That's awesome. And and of course I had to take the educational escape game slant with it. So in this role play, role playing version of that, um, I taught the listeners how they could support Escape This Podcast. So that was fun. So there's so many applications, and that's a great low budget way. You have no props, you know. All you have is the paper in front of you, and then you know your learner's imagination. So that's a quick way of putting it together. What about augmented reality? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited that you asked about that. So I've been thinking about that a lot, especially knowing that that's like your flavor. That's what that's you're my into. Thing. That's your thing. I've seen some examples out there of augmented reality in relation to escape games. Not nearly enough. And I really want to build something. Because I was thinking about this. Imagine like you're sitting in a classroom or like in our life now, you're sitting in your bedroom slash living room slash office. (laughs) How'd you know that? (laughs) Exactly, right? And you use your phone or tablet and all of a sudden there's this augmented reality door in the middle of your room that you can step through. And now through your phone, you're in this completely different space that you can interact with. And then now you have a physical escape game experience, but it's online. And I just, I, I love the possibilities of that. And I really, really, really want to build something. <laughs> I, I believe you can. I totally believe you can because you know all of the mechanics. Um, you just need to partner yourself with a great developer. And I'm sure you guys could make it happen. Um, one of my AR students, Mo Ash, actually has already built something like this. Write his name down so you can uh, connect with them because I'm sure he would share, you know, his experience with you. But he he's created an augmented reality escape game. And I mean, there are clues and unlocking boxes and uh, it's really amazing. And um, again, I was like, oh, it's an escape room. Yep. Because, you know, I've allowed my previous experiences to taint it, but I'm seeing more and more the popularity of this and, and how effective it can be, especially for people like you, Rachel, that love escape rooms. So then, you know, they show up and they show up to learn something and, uh, and there's an escape room involved. They're even more excited. My, uh, my seventh grader came downstairs a couple weeks ago and was like, mom, guess what? And I was like, what? And she's like, we have an escape room tomorrow in math. I said, you do? <laughs> she goes, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm like, okay, Yay. well, let me know if you escape. She's like, okay. Like, and I don't know what it was. I didn't see it, but she sure was excited about it enough to come down and tell me about it. I don't know if y'all have seventh graders, but when you say how was school, what did they say? Fine. <laughs> did you learn anything today? Mm, not really. Okay, good. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, don't want to talk about school. Yeah. So, yeah. I have an eighth grader. She's finally stopped doing this, but for the longest time, I was able to get her to go class by class. Like, tell me your schedule and your highlights for each class. And she would do it 
And it's only been until this year, eighth grade, that she's gotten too cool for that. Yeah. That's just the beginning of the thing she's too cool for, <laughs> Rachel, just I'm so good. you know. What's the next project that you're super excited about? What's what's next for you? So, I mean, top number one is I have to defend my dissertation. That's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. When is that? When is that for you? Oh, I'm hoping April. Mm-hmm. If I can do it in April, then then I'll graduate this term. So that's the goal. And then I can be Dr. Escape Lady. <laughs> that's awesome. But as far as projects, there's two that I'm working on that are, are kind of in the docket that I'm really excited about. One of them is at work. Um, we have an anti-racism action plan at our company and I'm building an online museum-like experience that it's called ARISE, which stands for Anti-Racism Inclusion Support Education. It's this, yeah, this virtual experience where visitors can explore exhibits and learn about race, racism, racial justice. It's, it's a really cool project to be a part of and it's, my organization really hasn't seen anything like that within our walls. So I get to bring something creative and I'm trying to incorporate XAPI. So I'm trying to learn something new with that as well. And then on a personal note, a project that I'm working on is um, I have a friend that uh, is a director over a residential summer camp and uh, I want to create a leadership training game for their camp counselors. So I'm hoping that that comes through. That'll be fun. That would be super fun too. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. So as we are wrapping up, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Uh, The first question is, how do you align your passion with your work? In general, uh, I try to follow a mantra, dream big first, then figure out how to make it work. (laughs) Um, I don't want the minutia and the details to stop me before a dream can bloom. So I'm passionate about experiences. I've probably said that a million times already, but that magic and awe that you feel when you're moved by something, Mm -hmm. that's really what I want to create. Those are the kinds of learning opportunities, the experiences that I want to create. And I think um, I've been trying to find how to do that in my daily work. The escape game, I've been able to do that with my school because that's kind of a cool experience for people to learn. You know, at work, this anti-racism uh, project, the Arise Virtual Experience, kind of helps me to apply that there. Um, but I think also I try to seek out people who are passionate and then will nerd out with me about yes. things. Mm-hmm. I constantly feel like I'm not good enough like to reach out or to contribute to the L&D world. That imposter stuff is legit. But I've always had this ability to reach out to people and be like, will you be my friend? But like in a professional way. So. Sure. Sure. That's how I try to do it. <laughs> you know, that's a good way to do it. That's uh, how a lot of my relationships have started was, um, hey, I think we should be friends. And they were like, nice. okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and most of them are still around. <laughs> they weren't. That's a good sign. Every now and then one didn't really work out. But for the most part, yeah. Uh, how about this one? What is the message you want to get out to our listeners? What do you want them to remember? It can be topic related or not. I'll keep it related to escape games. They are fun. Escape games are fun. But as we have learned today, it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And good game design matters. It really matters. um, But it requires effort to get a good game design. So I think my, if I were going to give a tip to anyone out there, start with whatever idea you have. Maybe it's a crappy idea or a not fully put together idea. Just spaghetti you're trying to throw against the wall and then play test it 
like crazy mm-hmm. until it's good. Um, I ran my game probably 60 to 65 times and, you know, at an hour to an hour and a half a run, the first 10 times of actual legit full run throughs, we're still play testing. And I had play tested portions of it a long time before that. Mm-hmm. And then even after it went live, there were still small tweaks that I needed to make. So I would just say play test because you can turn a crappy idea into a really fun one just based on how people interact with your game. And maybe sometimes you don't like something, but you could be persuaded to try it again. Mm-hmm. That was me with iced tea, not the singer, oh. the actual drink. Like the first <laughs> time I tried it, first time I tried it, I was like, this tastes terrible. I remember my dad had me try it at a restaurant one time. And now I would pick iced tea over most things that I drink. So we're going to write a book someday, Betty. It's called Escape Rooms and Iced Tea. I like it. It's a plan. <laughs> we'll do it. How can people connect with you if they want to after the show? Um, so I'd say LinkedIn is probably the best way. If you search for Rachel Arpin and it's R-A-C-H-E-L, um, there's not many of us out there. People can email me at rachelarpin at hotmail.com, which feels really antiquated to use that, but <laughs> it exists. I have, friends with, I have friends that still have AOL email addresses, so it's fine. That's amazing. And then I do have, like my website is rachelarpin.com. It was meant to be a portfolio, so it's not, it's a work in progress. And there's probably still some things that are placeholders and not polished, but that's out there too. I should probably update a few things by the time this airs. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little bit of time. I forgot to mention, I am speaking at Learning Solutions May 14th at noon. So if anyone's going to the Learning Solutions conference. That's awesome. What's your cap again? I'm guessing it's escape rooms. It is escape rooms. So you'll be able to find me that way. (laughs) Shocking. Well, if your session is not the same as mine, I will show up and heckle you kindly from the chat box. Yay. Hooray. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rachel Arpin, for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you so much, listeners. Watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out.